You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. Welcome, everybody. Happy Monday to you. You are listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. Glad to be here. And, man, what a busy weekend. Seems like that's how it's been lately. <laughs> Not that we've lacked for uh, things to talk about during the week, but uh, always lots to catch up on uh, when I come back on Mondays. So, of course, uh, the big, big news out of uh, uh, a news-filled weekend, Jake Arietta has a home. We can... Uh, uh, look for uh, Arietta to be uh, getting his cheesesteaks at, uh, I don't know, one of the places in South Philly because he signed with the Phillies. Three years, $75 million, but uh, he does have uh, an opt-out after the second year. I'll get into uh, the contract details. There's uh, lots of other things. Of course, Lance Lynn, some of these things just got sort of overshadowed uh, over the weekend. Lance Lynn uh, signing with the Twins, Jonathan Lucroy, all these names that we've been speculating about for weeks and weeks. Uh, a lot of them finding homes. Uh, Jonathan Lucroy signing a deal with the A's. Todd, or I'm sorry, not Todd Walker. Ah, I was afraid I was going to do that. I always confuse Todd Walker with Neil Walker. It's lame. Neil Walker has an agreement with the Yankees. So that's going to have some uh, some real impacts uh, for uh, not just to himself, but obviously for Gleyber Torres. Uh, infield now looking quite a bit different than we were projecting it to look just a few weeks ago. Uh, there's some uh, rotation news with the Brewers, the Reds, the Braves, all this stuff to get to. Uh, and then joining me uh, a little bit later on in the show, definitely wanted to have her come on and give us her take on the Arietta signing, uh, but also just talk about all things Phillies. And there's a lot to talk about. Liz Rocher from uh, Big League Stew over at Yahoo Sports, and she's also now with the Athletic Philadelphia. So uh, it's been a little while since I've had Liz on the show. Glad to have her back. Looking forward to that chat. I uh, asked you to send me your Twitter questions earlier today, and you sent me a whole bunch. So I will uh, get to those. May even get to a couple of those with Liz, because you were nice enough to uh, send a a couple of Phillies-related questions. So might as well uh, give uh, Liz a shot at those, too, while well, she's going to be on the show. So pretty, pretty packed schedule here. So let me get right back to it with uh, the Jake Arietta signing. So again, that's a three-year deal for $75 million, but with an opt-out after next season. But the Phillies can avoid that opt-out with a two-year extension. That would actually make it a five-year deal. So pretty interesting uh interesting contract there that the Phillies have with uh, Jake Arietta and all that contract information originally reported by John Heyman. So Arietta uh, coming off a season that, uh, you know, uh, certainly was not a bad season, but uh, for the second year in a row, we saw some uh, velocity dip for him. Uh, so we, he, he had to, he had to succeed a little bit more with finesse and uh, it, you know, it's, it, it, again, it was not a bad season, but it was certainly, I think, a far cry from what we saw from Jake Arrieta, uh, 
you know, during his Cy Young campaign. So it's, uh, it, you know, it's, it's kind of an odd uh, timing for him to go to Philadelphia and, and give us another, uh, you know, a, another uh, feature of, of uh, his whole picture that we now have to deal with when figuring out how to draft him. But, um, you know, Philadelphia, in terms of park factor, is obviously not great for any pitcher. But one of the more concerning things about Arietta coming out of last season was that uh, he was a bit more home run prone. And yes, I mean, everybody last year seemingly was more home run prone. That's just, uh, you have to sort of adjust that now when you look at at the home run rates for pitchers. But um, that's it's a bigger concern given that you figure that uh, there's probably not a whole lot of strikeout upside with area at this point. And I want to be really clear when I say that. It's not to say that he's going to hurt you in strikeouts. I'm just saying, compared to what he's given you the last couple of seasons, it would not really make a whole lot of a lot of sense to project above and beyond that. So uh, you, you've got to you know really feel good about his chances of keeping the ball in the park, having really good control. Those are are sort of iffy, iffy things to assume about Jake Arrieta. Uh, for this coming season. So, uh, you know, for me, it's it's a, a bit of a, a slight downgrade, I'd say, compared to where he could have wound up otherwise. And that's really about the park factor and not a knock against uh, the Phillies and their ability to offer Arietta run support. So, uh, you know, it's it's not a, a big game changer one way or the other in terms of, you know, he's got to go way down my rankings that you need to avoid him. But to me, they're just a, there's a little bit more of a red flag there with uh, Arietta than there, there had been before. Now, uh, with Lance Lynn, it's a one-year deal worth $12 million uh, to join the Twins rotation, which suddenly looks pretty decent once uh, they get Irvin Santana back. But um, not, uh, you know, I, I think uh, maybe a little bit of a downgrade for Lynn as compared to what you could have expected in St. Louis with him. The ballpark a little bit tougher. The American League, oh, excuse me, a little bit tougher. But, uh, you know, Lynn has uh, always been somebody who's, or not, not always, but usually been somebody who could help with ERA. It wasn't necessarily going to give you great strikeout and walk rates. So he really, you know, he I think he really benefited from pitching in St. Louis. I think that might show a little bit more now that we'll, he'll be away from St. Louis. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Uh, Jonathan Lucroy, he's got a one-year deal now. He's with Oakland, so he's landed someplace, as you figured he would, where he's going to play pretty often. Not a great park. But the, the bigger issue for Lucroy isn't really the park. It's it, which Lucroy are we going to get? Because the Lucroy we saw last season was very different. And from a fantasy perspective, really worse than what we had grown accustomed to, what we want to see. He became uh, more of sort of a slap hitter. So if that's the version of Lucroy we see, it's not really going to matter if he's playing home games in Oakland or Colorado like last year. Uh it's it's that's the wild card, not the the team environment or the the home park. But uh, I, I you know 
it's certainly just good to know that he's not going to be you know, having to hold out beyond opening day, that uh, he's going to get his full season worth of bats. And that uh, with the upside that he has, he's kind of a borderline top 10 catcher going into this year, which, you know, a year ago would have sounded really strange given that he was, he was really one of the elites, but uh, yeah, at least uh, he's got a landing spot for Luke Roy. That's the most important part. Now we just got to see what type of hitter he is. uh, And if he can just put last season behind him, Todd Walker, this is, this is uh, a very interesting one. And like I said, from a couple of different angles, First of all, it takes the suspense out of whether or not Glaber Torres starts the year with the Yankees. Don't really see how that, that happens now. But, uh, and by the way, I apologize. Uh, I know I'm uh, talking a little bit slower than I normally do. Still uh, having some, some issues here with the cold, so uh, thank you for, for bearing with me. But uh, Walker uh, had a, an interesting finish last year with the Brewers where he just he walked a whole ton and... Uh, He's got some power potential. He's obviously in a, a park in a lineup that's that's not going to hurt in that regard. The question is really how much longer uh, or how long is Todd Walker going to be a regular in that Yankees lineup? How long uh, is Glaber Torres going to have to play in the minors? So uh, it's, you know, Walker's kind of an interesting late flyer, it probably more so in deeper leagues. But, uh, you know, if, if Toro's kind of stalls for a while in AAA, you know, he, he could have a little bit of value. Now, in, in terms of the team, uh, one of the teams that Walker played for last year, the Brewers, they've got a, a whole bunch of developments here. So first of all, uh, looks like their rotation is starting to get settled. Uh, Chase Anderson's been named as uh, the opening day starter. And then you got uh, Ulysses Seen. He's going to be the number two starter to begin the season. And then for Zach Davies, it's just really a question of health and uh, how quickly he's going to be able to rebound. So those three seem pretty well set. And then, uh, you know, as far as, as far as those remaining spots, well, we know that Giovanni Gallardo is out of the mix now. Uh, he's going to be competing for a bullpen spot. So there, there's a whole bunch of interesting names there. Aaron Wilkerson at one point. But looks like it's it's really coming down. And Junior Guerra, I would also add. But uh looks like that the, the two are who are going to uh who are, are are going to, you know, probably emerge at this point. It's still early, things could change. But it looks like the ones that are going to emerge are Suter and Miley. And um you know, if you're thinking, well, Wade Miley is really having a, a surprisingly good spring. Uh, you know, maybe it's it's really time to to uh, you know start taking a little more interest there. Also, bear in mind that uh, they may only go the Brewers may only go with four starters to begin the season. That, according to the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, so maybe uh, you know Miley at least initially doesn't even get the chance to start. Maybe he goes to being a long man. And again, none of this is settled. So uh, it, it's really, uh, I don't want to, you know, go too overboard with this, but, you know, with one of the rotations that, you know, really had a cast of characters competing for spots, that, that situation is beginning to clear. And particularly with Suter, uh, it's giving me a lot more confidence over my remaining drafts 
to to go much more aggressively because I I really like him. I mean he's he's an interesting uh, type of pitcher who is has shown himself to be pretty good at getting strikeouts, even though he throws in the mid eight or yeah the mid eighties. So uh, you know it, it's a fun thing, and uh, if you uh, want to pursue those uh, those strikeouts, if there's a, the better chance that they're actually going to materialize. Now, uh, in other Brewers news, uh, Stephen Vote, he's had a setback with his injured shoulder. Probably not going to be ready for opening day, so that would uh, open the door for Jet Bandy. It would appear to be the backup to Manny Pena, at least to start the season. Now, the uh, Braves rotation, that one, too, is starting to get a little bit more clarity, and, and unfortunately, part of that clarity is coming because Luis Gohara is not going to be uh, healthy to start the season. He'll be out through at least the end of April with a sprained left ankle. That timetable comes to us from MLB.com. So you know that you're going to have uh, Julio Tehran and Mike fulton heading up the rotation. Brandon McCarthy shaping up to be the number three. And then those last three or last two spots, looks like it's it's coming down between Sean Newcomb Scott Kazmier and Matt Whistler. Matt Whistler working his way back into discussions there. So that's uh, going to be a new player to uh, keep your eyes on over the next uh, couple of weeks or so. So, excuse me, let's just uh, take a little break from this and uh, talk a little bit about Fantrax.com. Go check out Fantrax.com. You can create the ultimate Dynasty, Keeper, or Redraft Fantasy League using Fantrax's free commissioner product. Find out how it feels to have the deepest player pool, multi-team trades, plus player salary and contract options right at your fingertips, all of which are fully customizable. And with Fantrax Treasurer, you can set league entry fees and safely distribute payouts without a third party so you don't have to track down owners for payment. All you got to do when you register Enter the promo code AL, that's A-L, and you just do that at sign up. That's going to give you a chance to win 10 private private consultations. That's a, a, a 10 consultations with me. That's a, normally a $109 value for free uh, if you win that drawing. So enter the promo code AL, that's AL. So go find out why Fantrax is the home of fancy sports Check out Fantrax.com today. So let's get uh, to a few other news items uh, in terms of the uh, Indians. The, uh, Francisco Mejia, he, there had been a little experiment there to try him out at third base. That experiment is now over. This coming from MLB.com. He has uh, played a little bit of outfield in the minor league camp, but the Indians are saying that they're still he's still a catcher. That's where the future is going to be. This outfield thing, we'll see where that goes. But uh, no third base for Francisco Mejia. Marcus Stroman is not going to be the opening day starter for the Blue Jays. Still coming back from his uh, shoulder injury. Uh, No timetable. Excuse me. No timetable. But um, will not be ready for opening day. 
Robinson Cano left a game on Sunday with minor hamstring tightness. He's expected to get an MRI today, according to the Seattle Times. Jorge Bonifacio gets an 80-game PED suspension. Uh, So the Royals are going to have to uh, probably piece together their outfield uh, situation. Maybe this uh, brings Paulo Orlando back into the mix there. But, um, you know, fortunately, uh, they just recently signed John Jay, so that certainly solidifies his role in the, uh, in the Royals outfield. So, uh, anyhow, I've got, uh, like I said, some Reds rotation news, uh, an update on Matt Carpenter. Uh, I'll get to all that a little bit later on. Got to head to break right now. But uh, when we come back, going to be joined by Liz Rocher and uh, talk about this whole Arietta signing with the Phillies and a whole bunch of other stuff. So, uh, Anyways, do stick around. I'll be right back. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there, where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour. This is uh, the host, Al Melchior. And uh, joining us with, uh, as promised earlier, from uh, the uh, Athletic Philadelphia and uh, also over at Big League Stew at Yahoo Sports, Liz Rocher. Liz, thanks so much. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, always great to have you on the show. We've got... uh, so one one big thing to talk about, but it uh, you know gives us a good excuse to talk about a lot of things Phillies related because they're still just with a couple weeks plus left in spring training. Uh, there's uh, still a lot of lot of questions uh, up in the air, but uh, of course uh, the big news, uh, Jake Arrieta. How, uh, how elated were you to uh, see him sign with the Phillies? I was beyond elated because I I really didn't think they were going to sign anybody. I was convinced that they were going to stand pat and I was going to have to write some kind of angry, fire-breathing thing about, you know, is be bold only for the players? Can the front office not follow their own instructions? But luckily, I don't have to write that. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I'm I'm super excited. Sounds like you were ready, though, just in case. Yes, (laughs) always. (laughs) Now, at the, the top of the show, I was, I was a bit of a wet blanket talking about Arietta, you know, just from a fantasy perspective, because there's been the dip in velocity, more home runs. So are, are these things that uh, dampen your enthusiasm a little? Um, I guess, yeah. I guess sort of abstractly, 
I mean, it, it doesn't. He would have to be a really, really bad pitcher to be worse than what the Phillies are looking at for the back end of their rotation right now. Like, it, he could be bad Arietta, and he'd still be better than Ben Lively and Nick Pavetta. You know, he's still going to pitch more innings. He's going to get more strikeouts. Um, he's going to start more games, period. He's just going to be better. And so, you know, maybe it's years of low expectations <laughs> that have, uh, have, have made me think this way. But I'm, you know, his declining velocity does worry me. But, you know, you look at his first and second half last year, he, it's like they're two different pitchers. He has the ability to be brilliant. You know, I'm hoping that he finds a middle ground somewhere. <laughs> well, like you say, that would be a, a likely upgrade. But, yeah, if it's an upgrade over, let's say, Pavetta, who is at the back of that rotation? I talked about this on a different podcast last night. And I I know that some people think it's um, – let me see, I think Pavetta had one of the roster spots locked up before they signed um, Arietta, which I – I'm not a huge fan of Nick Pavetta. He doesn't, he has one pitch that he throws and he's managed to survive this long uh, in the majors with it. And that's fantastic. But uh, I, I don't know. I mean, but you look at, you know, being him and, and Ben Lively and, and Zach Eflin. I mean, you look at him and it's, it, you flip a coin and hope one of them works out. And if it, one of them is too terrible, you, pick the other one up from wherever it is they are and put them into the rotation back end. So it's not, it's not terribly worrying what it's going to look like because I've just made my peace with whoever it is. It's going to be, you know, one of the guys that threw like 120 innings that I had to recap last year. Ah. So yeah, you'd rather not have to do that again, you know, next year. At least not with all three of them. No. Doesn't look like you'll have to. I'll never, you never do know with pitching. But uh, yeah. let's, yeah. <coughs> Excuse me, Liz. I apologize. Been uh, dealing with a little bit of flu here, so if, uh, I'm uh, a little, little slow here. That's why. Um, so, well, speaking of, let's let's leave the pitching behind. Uh, moving on to Reese Huskins, who's continued to be sort of a uh, a polarizing figure in, in fantasy drafts, but yet there does seem to be consensus that. He's going to hit 34, 35, maybe 37, 38 home runs. I think even if you were to factor in some regression from what was admittedly a very limited sample last year, um, that just seems really conservative to me. Now, do you agree or um, you know, do you think that, that uh, what he did in that time last year was just way above and beyond what we can expect on you know, a, a per-game basis? I think you look at what he did, and it's it's a small sample, admittedly. And there's a point, you know, in the season, you know, after he got there, I think it was, what, maybe a month after he got there, where he just stopped hitting home runs yeah. and balls and all. Um, you know, maybe it was our love of Reese Hopkins. Over at Good Fight, we were, you know, we realized he played over, he played like 170-some-odd games last year. He played a lot. Um, we all hoped it was tiredness combined with pitchers realizing, oh, I can't throw him this year, can I? <laughs> I can't do that. Um, I, 
I feel like it's always so dangerous to believe in something like this, but it's hard not to. He's an exciting player. He's got great power. He's got a great eye. You know, you know, you look at um, the walk, you know, his walk rate and um, the number three ball counts he drew. It's really encouraging because he wasn't, you know, he wasn't fearsome enough that pitchers like, oh, God, I can't throw him a fastball. I must throw him stuff outside the zone and get him on base away from me. You know, he wasn't, no one was fearing him that much. And so I'm confident, at least, that his, you know, his eye is good. He he has a great ability to recognize, you know, balls and strikes. And he, he's not afraid of getting into deep counts, which I like. You know, he's, he's aggressive but thoughtful when he's at the plate. And, you know, if he hits 35, 38 home runs next year, I will be ecstatic. I'll be thrilled because it, I feel like means that, that what we saw is not, was not a, a mirage. It wasn't just, you know, kid comes to the majors and hits the crap out of the ball. You know, it was, you know, kid comes to the majors and figures it out and knows what he's doing. So Mm -hmm. I conservative, aggressive, I feel like putting him at 40 home runs, a lot of home runs. That feels (laughs) like a lot. Maybe that's just me being old fashioned and, you know, remembering the, you know, 2010, 2011, where no one was hitting home runs anywhere. But I, I, if, it, if it's 40, I'd be ecstatic. If it's 35, I'm ecstatic. I will be sad if it's less than that. I would say that would make me unhappy. <laughs> yeah, and I think, you know, for where he's going in fantasy, it would make a lot of people unhappy. And it, it probably seems like a small distinction, but, you know, that difference between 35 and 40 would make some difference in terms of where people would feel comfortable drafting him. And nobody's projecting him for 40 that I'm aware of. And yet, you know, yeah. I look at what he did last year. And I've been using Gary Sanchez as a comp because it was a similar situation 2016 going into 17 where, um, you know, Sanchez had this ridiculous pace that nobody thought he could keep up. But what was a reasonable pace to expect? And he felt, you know, he had a great season, but he fell way off that pace. And I think if you compare what Sanchez did and how he did it compared to Hoskins, I, I'm a little bit more confident in, in what Hoskins did and thinking the regression might not be quite as severe. So I do give him a shot to I – w- I wouldn't bet on it, but I would give him a shot you know, to, to get hit 40-plus. And you know, that can make a difference when you're choosing among first baseman and outfielder who you know, all can hit with a ton of power. Uh, a a yeah. guy. This is actually another another similar situation, Liz, where Jorge Alfaro came up, and did, you know, I mean, at least Hoskins used on the minor leagues. Like, why? Like you said, he has got this great eye. He's got power. Alfaro, uh, you know, you didn't really see that coming from him coming out of the minors, but looked like he was a whole different hitter when he when he was up in September. Uh, what do you expect from him? He's a work in progress. All over. I every time he's been up in the majors, and he uh, had a cup of coffee in 2016 near the end of the season, and spent more time up in 2017. I've been encouraged by what I've seen every time, and I, you know, I was waiting for the bottom to drop out and for him to look like, you know, a, a you know, Cameron Rudd or something like that. And it, you know, it didn't happen. He maintained. Um, you know, he's he's a work in progress all over, especially behind the plate. 
they're working with him a whole lot because he's out of options and he can't go back down. So he's up in the majors this year, period. So, you know, I think they're just, I, I think they're just going to put it all behind him and see what happens. I mean, what's, at this point, what's the worst that could happen? They have Andrew Knapp, who is also there, and I think quite good, a, more than serviceable backup. And if Cameron, mm-hmm. Mupp, uh, as much as I like him as a human, um, as a friendly human who loves dogs, he's great. Uh, but as a player, I'd be happy to never see him behind the plate in a Philly, at a Phillies game again. Yeah, when you started off saying very nice, positive things about Cameron Rupp, I'm saying this is not squaring what I've seen from you on Twitter. But no, as you know, a human, he's great. He he takes pictures of you know with dogs. He wore uh, you know you know he's from uh, Texas, but he you know wore Eagles jersey. Like he he's really into it. He's a great clubhouse presence. As a baseball player, no, at least not for the Phillies. <laughs> so uh, I'm I'm really happy that. Um, that Alfaro's out of options and they can't sort of faff around anymore. Cause I was waiting for them to just cut bait on, on Rupp at some point last year and, and bring up Alfaro and it didn't happen uh, until the very end of the season. Uh, but yeah. luckily this year, we're going to see a lot less of Cameron Rupp because I can't imagine where they're going to fit him. Yeah, no, I can't either. I, you know, so it, I, I certainly, even in a deep league wouldn't be, you know, looking for him as a, uh, uh, you know, a second catcher. Uh, no, if someone grabs it, play- it's obviously by mistake. <laughs> it happens. You know, uh, hit the wrong button. Uh, <laughs> a lot of people are drafting Aaron Altair. Uh, in fact, in CBS leagues, he's within the top 280p overall, which I find quite amazing. Uh, in NFBC yeah. and tracks, I think he's inside the top 260. Uh, so, you know, he's basically being drafted on a pretty regular basis in a 12-team mixed league. I'm not sure he's going to be a regular. Uh, how do you see that playing time uh, splitting up between him and Nick Williams? I have no idea how he could be a regular. I, I, the Phillies had a, a, things were great before they signed Carlos Santana, who I love. I'm so glad they have him, <clears throat> but they just sort of created a whole lot of problems for themselves uh, mm-hmm. in the outfield because they've got Reese Hoskins who needs to play. They have Odubel Herrera, who is great and needs to play where he's playing. And then they've got two other dudes who they like a lot. You know, they've got Nick Williams, who's young, and Aaron Altair continually shows, you know, flashes of brilliance when he's healthy and given the chance. It just, the Phillies have a lot of depth, and they don't seem to be willing to make a lot of decisions yet. (laughs) Um, And so I I can't imagine that either of them are going to get, you know, full-time playing I feel like they tr- maybe tried to trade one of them over the season, uh, the off season, and just weren't able to for whatever reason. Um, I don't know why they have too many outfielders. Like I, people who are drafting Altair, I get it because he's he's been good at various points, but I can't imagine drafting him because he's going to get part time playing. He's going to get part time playing time at best. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that that would seem to be the case. Uh, well, I, I wanted to talk to you about Scott Kingery. We've got a, a Twitter question here about Scott Kingery, uh, but I do just need to first get this uh, in, uh, Liz, that uh, uh, just coming up right after this show is the DKMS 2018 March Madness Special. Uh, today, March 12th, uh, 4 p.m. Eastern, uh, right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. 
Uh, it'll be hosted by Craig Carton. Get the edge on filling out your bracket with analysis from Greg Sussman, Mike Blewett, and special guest Yahoo's Brad Evans. And if you're looking to make some money, Gabe Mornsey and Blackjack Fletcher will line your pockets. The broadcast will be simulcast on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube live page. It's the DKMS 2018 March Madness special uh, right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network today, March 12th, 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 Pacific. All right, uh, Liz, uh, so question we have here from at Henry Howard. And by the way, I should just check in because I think we've only got about a minute left in this segment. Um, are you able to stick around after the break? Or if not, uh, we'll just make this uh, a rapid-fire question. Um, I could stick around a little bit. All right, that is awesome news. All right, well then, uh, at Henry Howard is asking us, who ends the year with more plate appearances, Scott Kingery or Michael Franco? Uh, it's going to be Bronco, but it'll be the last time that happens. All right. So when do you thinking. think we see, yep. when do you think we see Kingery? Um, we see Kingery whenever they either trade Cesar Hernandez, which who knows if or when that'll happen or whenever they decide to finally give up on Franco, which I don't see them doing that without another full season but this is pretty much his last chance to prove he's the player that they want him to be, that he hopefully still has the potential to be. Because I, I think they really want to keep Kingry, Crawford, and Hernandez all together in the infield. And the only way they can do that is if one of them moves to third base and Franco finds a new home. Yeah. Well, so well, hopefully we'll see Kingry oh, by the end of the year. I said hopefully we'll see Kingry uh, would... by the end of the season. I would think so. I, I thought maybe you'd give us something a little more optimistic, but that's, you know, that's fair enough. So I we do have to head to break, Liz, but uh, we come back. Got another uh, question from Twitter for you, and uh, we'll wrap things up. So stick around, folks. We'll be right back. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis. Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior, and I've been joined by Liz Rocher of The Athletic Philadelphia and Big League Stu over at Yahoo Sports. And so very nice of Liz to agree to stay just a little bit longer. Didn't want to totally uh, rush her out of here because we got some uh, Phillies questions. Really, uh, and Liz, I really appreciate the uh, uh, the insight there, analysis on the, the Kingery situation. And uh, I was talking with... Uh, Mike Florio, the producer, uh, just uh, during the break here. And I think we both kind of thought that it was more of a Kingery versus Cesar Hernandez thing than Kingery versus Franco. But I, I think your, your, you know, uh, your analysis of it actually makes, makes quite a bit of sense. Yeah, I mean, the Phillies have an absurd amount of depth, pretty much almost everywhere. They have too many outfielders. They have three catchers. They have, you know eight infielders for two spots. And if you look down in the minors, they have so many pitchers. They have so much they can do. 
and they're just not yet willing to make any decisions. And I can't blame them for that. But they really, uh, you can't blame them for wanting to keep all of the talent they have for as long as they have, or as long as they can. Um, and I think when you look at the infield possibilities, Franco's been up since 2012, 2013. He's been up for a while. I, I can't remember off the top of my head. But he hasn't been making any steady improvements. Um, I'm hopeful that maybe having him, uh, having, you know, Carlos Santana taking him under his, his large muscular wing will help somewhat. Um, you know, Santana is, is so great. Um, I, I really like him as a player. And I'm hoping some of that will rub off on Franco. But this is his last chance. The Phillies would much rather have, you know, a second base playing third base or short playing third base than Franco not hitting and playing third base. Yeah. Um, you know, so, I mean, I, if they find a way to trade Hernandez for a return that makes sense, I'm sure they'll do it. But I also don't know why they would, unless it's for two days ago, I would have said for a starting pitcher, uh, which I guess maybe in a year or so they'll need, but they don't really need mm-hmm. another one now. And so the only thing that makes sense to me is that they're going to, is that they, eventually they're going to cut bait on, on Franco, which is sad as someone who's has liked him for a long time, but it's hard to deny what you see. Yeah. Or unless he actually breaks out. I mean, it's sort of, Makes me think about, not to say that the Rangers were in this situation, but you know, makes me think about Elvis Andrews, who came up very young. Uh, we all projected this you know, growth for him, and he just flatlined for year and years and years and years, and had this, you know, what's felt like a, a, a belated breakout. I, I wouldn't put it past Franco to be able to do something like that. But, but he uh, could. I would it, love it. And, and what you say about the organization, again, from their perspective, it makes tons of sense that they have all these options right now. And they're not rushing into anything. It's just, it's you know, it amounts to just a massive troll of people who play fantasy. So, that's yeah. that's the downside. Uh, all right. Well, we uh, we've got one more Twitter question here, Liz. That I wanted to get to. Also, uh, just want to remind people, Fantasy Factor is the perfect daily fantasy site for the casual recreational player. Flatter prize pools, smaller fields, and single entry contests only. Fancy Factor also always has fun contests going. Right now, free entry. There's a March Madness bracket and a Sweet 16 bracket. bracket. And Fancy Factor is running a $100,000 home run derby this year. Simply sign up and enter www.fantasyfactor.com. By the way, uh, I have not done my brackets yet, uh, which just, just is prolonging my agony. Uh, Liz, have you, uh, you done one yet? No, I haven't yet. I've got uh, I've got my my Yahoo Sports staff bracket waiting for me in my inbox, and I keep putting it off, and I have to get to it. <laughs> uh, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, all right, let's get to this uh, final Twitter question uh, concerning the Phillies. Anyway, uh, this is from at Teddy three four three seven Patrick Tetro. I guess Patrick wants his name read because he actually was kind enough to tell me how to pronounce it. Uh, it says, uh, loves the show. Thank you, Patrick. Uh, I'm in a 12-team points league on ESPN. Want an opinion on my keepers. Locks are Kershaw, Stanton, DeGrom, and Lindor. And then on the bubble, uh, and Liz, this is why uh, I asked you to stick around. Hoskins, uh, Jose Barrios, and 
uh, Marcelo Zuna. And uh, all right, so that's the question. So he's asking us to choose a fifth uh, keeper amongst those three. Uh, I'll I'll reserve my uh, opinion on this for a second. Uh, who would you take? This is not going to be a popular answer, and I guess it depends on really what what the league about, how much you value home runs. Um, it's a it, points it, league, so um, so not only extra base hits of all kinds uh, will be valued here, but uh, walks too. It, it, you know, and I'm definitely trying to slant your, slant your answer with that, but that's also that is the nature of the format. It is. Uh, I don't know. I feel like I kind of have to go with Marcelo Zuna, if only because he's been he's he's been in the majors for what four years, five years now. He's proven himself. Um, I'm looking him up right now on baseball reference. Did he really hit 37 home runs last year? Holy crap. He really did. Um, he's got yeah. out of, uh, pretty much an out of nowhere breakout. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. It's, oh, this is really hard. This is hard. I mean, I, I love Hoskins, but he's been in the majors for five seconds. Um, I don't yeah. know if I would. Yeah. That's the only reason because, you know, he could do great. He could do crappy at least with Ozuna. You have a baseline of where you think he might be. And you at least have that breakout, that full year breakout behind him to sort of support your decision. Well, yeah, you know, I, I thought it was easily Hoskins, this one. And I'm and, and, and Brios, too. I, I this love, is why I so. don't play fantasy. <laughs> but no, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm actually really glad to have your perspective on this, because I think, you know, I, I think it's a reality check. And, I, you know, I've got my biases against Ozuna that uh, I don't really buy into what he did last year. I'm not sure what you're going to get from him going forward. And I just like the skill set with Hoskins better. And the thing is, too, it's, so it's five keepers. Even if Ozuna you know, turns out to be something close to the real deal of what he was last year, if you miss out on him, I mean, it's, you know, I don't know. I still think that, you know, as a fifth keeper, you, you could probably come back with somebody who breaks out this year and make that your keep next year. So... I feel pretty good with going with what I perceive as the higher ceiling of, of Reese Hoskins. So I'm going to stick up for it. Yeah, it's higher. It's a, it's a higher. I feel like it's a higher risk proposition. And I think that's an entirely fair choice. If that's a risk you want to take, it's, I mean, it's barely a risk. He could, it's not completely unlikely that Hoskins is going to hit a billion home runs and continue to walk at a high rate. So maybe it isn't a high risk and maybe I'm just very cowardly. <laughs> Well, uh, maybe, or I, I just may be uh, reckless <laughs> in, in my dedication to Reese Hoskins. But anyways, Liz, thank you so much for uh, for joining me and uh, for taking the time. And uh, hope to have you on uh, next, uh, not not even next time Philly signs somebody big. So hopefully, hopefully well before then. <laughs> that would be great. It was my pleasure. Thanks so much. All right. So again, uh, that's uh, Liz Rocher, and uh, you can find her work at Big League Stew and at the, the Athletic uh, Philadelphia. Uh, so do go check her out. Also on Twitter at Liz Rocher, L-I-Z-R-O-S-C-H-E-R. Uh, all right. Well, uh, got a couple other news items to get to that I didn't quite get to earlier in the show. I got more of your Twitter questions that I will definitely be answering. Uh, before I do any of that, though, did you know that it takes only one minute to potentially save someone's life? No, seriously, one minute. That's how long it takes to swipe off your cheeks and join the donor list with DKMS. 
There are currently over 900,000 registered donors in the U.S., and we need more. There's an American diagnosed every three minutes with blood cancer. There can never be enough donors. But for only $45, you can help DKMS register new bone marrow donors. DKMS donors save approximately 19 lives a day. We want you to help save one. Please, if you can, go to dkms.org slash F-N-T-S-Y. Go there today. Okay, so uh, heading back to just uh, pick up a couple of news items that I left hanging uh, earlier in the show. Uh, Reds had a real tricky situation yesterday. Sunday, uh, they lost two starting pitchers. Not two starters of the same game, obviously. But uh, both Anthony Desclafani and Brandon Finnegan had to leave the game with injury. In Desclafani's case, it's been diagnosed as an oblique strain. There's no timetable for him. For Finnegan, he says he had a knot in his arm that is now gone. So uh, I would imagine that there will be some follow-up on, clearly on Desclafani, I would think on both of them. But that takes a uh, pretty wide-open Reds rotation situation and puts it in a little bit of disarray. Uh, also, uh, in, in some better health news, uh, Matt Carpenter, reportedly his back is feeling good. He is set to make his Grapefruit League debut on Tuesday, tomorrow. So good news there for uh, Matt Carpenter. Remains to be seeing what kind of news that is for uh, Jose Martinez. But that's that'll be an ongoing saga. Okay, so uh, I've got just enough time here, I think, to uh, answer your Twitter questions. So no further delay. We've got one here from at Zach Daniels Sr. Should I take your boy Perella first or your boy Franchi first in a deepish dynasty league? I'm glad uh, that you designate that that's a, a dynasty league because I think in a redraft league, I'd actually go Perella first because I think he's the safer bet for playing time. But to me, the the ceiling is so much greater for Franchi Cordero. So, uh, yep, I would target Franchi first. Uh, So thank you for submitting your question to the Franchi Cordero Baseball Hour. All right, uh, next question is from at DrewBugs17. What are my go-to strategies for a head-to-head categories league with daily transactions limit seven per week? Uh, in an auction draft, stars and scrubs, find uh, value relief pitchers uh, heavy. Um, in terms of value relievers, I'm going to hit that that part of the question first. I, I don't know that I, I take a, that much of a different approach here other than because it's a head-to-head league. Uh, I certainly give a bigger bump to uh, guys like Joe Musgrove and Mike Miner, who are starters or projected to be starters. Um who are who can who are relief eligible? That reminds me, a, a news item I didn't mention earlier that's very important to this format is that Matt Bush is going back to the bullpen for sure. So he will he does not have that Sparp appeal. So I give a little extra value to Sparps. I give some extra value to just good middle relievers or elite middle relievers like Chad Green and Yosemiro Petit. And then otherwise, I, I treat it pretty much like a roto league in, in terms of um, not you know uh, not putting emphasis on necessarily pitchers who um, are efficient or go deep, but you know looking more for the K per nine pitchers. 
uh, strikeouts, uh, you know, not uh, maybe weighting them quite as heavily for hitters, but uh, you know, not not really. But those are sort of you know changes on the on the margins. So I hope that's uh, that's helpful at least as a start. I probably could talk a lot more, a lot longer about it, but uh, want to make sure I get to all these questions. This one from at Mikey 42 uh, also a head-to-head categories question. 12, Teamer, how much does strategy change Our, as positions are increased? We just added infield and outfield spots. Would I be okay keeping Trey Turner and Corey Seager or lose Seager for Severino or DeGrom? Mm. Uh, I would say, yeah. I think I, I, think I would, um, and that's a tough one. But I, I would really want to make sure that I get an ace of the caliber of Severino or DeGrom. So if it took losing Corey Seager, given that I already had Trey Turner, yeah, I would definitely do that. It's close to a borderline decision, but having Trey Turner definitely uh, would swing that for me. And in terms of as positions are increased, again, it really depends on – it's hard to answer that as a blanket question. Uh, it would depend which positions. Uh, so I, I think I'm going to leave that one aside. And um, so if you, you want to follow up with me on Twitter, I will definitely answer that question uh, in better detail. Uh, all right. So not much time to go. Going to have to answer these rapid fire. Uh, at the Swami, roster construction difference from Roto to head-to-head points and head-to-head categories. Uh, you know what? I, I'm going to get that one on, on Twitter. So I apologize at the Swami. That's, that's more than I could do in the minute or so I've got left. Atwood rules. Have I done a team going the RP only route in a head-to-head categories league? Man, it's head-to-head categories day here on the show. I have not. Um, but, you know, I understand he talks about in this, this tweet that uh, most of the top-tier pitchers are already kept. But I, I just have a hard time punting categories in general. And I think, that, you know, I would try to draft for upside. There's a lot of upside among starters in the later rounds. Go for the, um, you know, the Lance McCullers types, Blake Snell. Uh, take a flyer there and, and try to hope that you, you strike uh, with one of them. So I apologize for the quick answers on some of these. Follow up with me on Twitter if you need more uh, detail. And thank you so much for uh, joining me and bearing with me today. I will be back uh, tomorrow and uh, same time. And uh, have fun with your brackets, everybody. I got to go fill mine out. Take care. <laughs>